Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am joined by Jane Gentry. How are you, Jane? So good, and you? I am amazing. So thank you so much for being here. So y'all don't know this, but Jane is one of my favorite people and somebody that I personally go to for sage advice on a pretty frequent basis. So you guys are in for a real treat today because uh, she has given me some really invaluable advice over this over these past few years. And um, we actually belong to two different CEO think tanks together. So I've really gotten some great um, advice from Jane over the years. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate you. Yes. So let me introduce Jane to you guys. So Jane Gentry had a successful 30-year career as a CEO, business consultant, executive coach, sales manager, and keynote. In 1999, Jane formed her practice where she was partnered, where she has partnered with her clients to improve growth, profitability, client retention, employee retention, and leadership capabilities. Jane helps entrepreneurs and senior leaders diagnose and solve gaps and weaknesses, enabling profitable growth and improving sales velocity. Even HR leaders bring her in to coach managers on inspirational leadership using relational intelligence to build high-functioning cross-generational teams and improve employee engagement. That's a mouthful, but it is a mouthful. (laughs) And there should be a pause at 1999 where you say, but she doesn't even remotely look like it. No, no. Looks like she's 21. Yeah, I need to get that written in. Yeah. So, Jane, you have just taken this amazing trajectory through your through your life, and some of the most valuable information that you give is to CEOs who are building a business, and you can kind of act somewhat as like a fractional CEO, kind of coming in and helping them, improving yeah. their operations, improving their HR, improving their sales processes, and all the things that we do as CEOs where we're juggling a million things. So what led you down that path? Yeah, it is. It is. uh, I would say more Uh co-CEO, although we're trying to figure out the term for it, right? Right. Uh, because we, I do dig in sometimes and take that fractional, not take the CEO's role, but a lot of times we divide and conquer in the business, if that makes any sense, right? Yeah. And so, uh, what led me to this? Wow. So I. How far back do you want to go, Angela? Well. My, career, my life is just this um, bunch of stumbling uh, and st- falling into blessing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, none of it was wisdom. Mm-hmm. So whatever sage advice you're getting, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. Um, but in uh, 1990. Eight, end of 98, I was diagnosed with the first of several autoimmune diseases. Wow. I was running a sales organization at the time, mm. and I was on the road probably half of the year. Wow. And my doctor said, do you want to live a long time? She said, your lifestyle is really not conducive to that. And huh. so I quit. Um, this sounds like it was a, you know, five minute decision, but I went to my accountant and I said, I make a really great living. What would I have to do if I started my own practice Mm. to make the same amount of money? Or, you know, I asked him probably a hundred questions and he said, he looked exhausted (laughs) and uh, he said, Jane, let me ask you a question. Let's say that you just suck. Mm-hmm. you're an abysmal failure. What is the worst case scenario? And I said, I'd have to get a job. Mm-hmm. He said, what would that take? I said, probably one phone call. He said, get out of my office. <laughs> and so it is. It, there's no, um, I didn't have a desire to have a company. Yeah. I really just had a desire to have a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. And as I look back now, I was 20, 
something at the yeah. time, it was either really brave or really stupid or a combination of both. But if I tried to do it today, you know, I'm, you talk yourself out of it. I I'm think sure. I might have a lot yeah. in the conversation would be more than just my accountant. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, so I started my practice in 99. I, the business morphed for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, uh, I was working with enterprise level companies, Home Depot's, Mercedes, Phillips Medical, right? Uh, Coke. Everybody works with Coke, so that's right, right. that impressive. If you live in Atlanta and you don't work yeah, with Coke, something's yeah, up, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and I got recruited to run some companies for equity. Oh, okay, great. And uh, I did that. Um, I got to know a lot of small and mid-sized business owners. And when okay. I say small and mid-sized, I mean, you know, 5 million to 150 million, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, I got to meet a lot of owners who sold oh, okay. their companies yeah. to private people and equity organizations. And I got to see a lot of owners who really got screwed out of 20 and 25 years of really hard work. Wow. I can totally relate to that. Yeah, yeah. You don't see, you don't meet those kinds of people when you're in enterprise. Yeah, this is true. Because I mean, my very first small business, I had no idea what to do with it. When I was done with it, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be done and I'll move and that's it. Yes. Like you don't know what yes. you don't know. And you have no idea what the market is out there for selling a business, buying a business. I mean, this is, this was foreign to me in my you don't 20s. Know when to think about selling no a business, idea. right? Mm -mm. People, they go, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. uh, who's who might want to buy my business? Right. Or we're about to do two videos. One on what do you do when you get an unsolicited offer for your business? Oh, okay, interesting. That's happened to two of my clients recently. Okay. What do you do when your partner wants a buyout? Mm, yeah. Two very emotional uh, situations right. for a privately held business owner. Absolutely. Right? So. Um, so I left, uh, I left this job. I asked myself why God put me in that situation. Uh, you know, what's the key learning there? W was that going to change the trajectory of my life? Was I going to go back mm. to what I was doing? Mm -hmm. And I realized a few things about this group that I had come to just absolutely love this kind of pool of a group of people that I think right. are brave and amazing. Um, and that is, number one, we don't start a business, including me and you, I'm sure. assuming, uh, originally, because we're great business people. Right. Right. We want to fix a problem. We have a passion or a giftedness yeah. right. for something, right? Sure. Also, small and mid-sized business owners are often very under-resourced. And I don't even mean money. Yeah. Money's the easy one, yeah. right? I mean, my cousin's wife's brother is my marketing person. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using the same accountant as my neighbor down the street. Right, right. You know, yep. we don't know where to go yep. to, um, to get the things we need in our business, number right. one. Sometimes we don't know... If, even if we could chunk those buckets out of things we need, what's the right order? Yeah. What does good look like? Right. What should I be spending for that service right. that right. I'm hiring, right? And so after 25 or more years of looking really young um, and yet <laughs> having all this experience and this amazing network, right. um, I decided that I really wanted to help this group of people very specifically. Wow. Okay. It's something that I just have a passion for. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, you know, if this is supposed to happen, then there will be something to validate 
that decision for me. And those things happened really quickly, yeah. actually. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and no doubt, because when you're coming into it and you really genuinely have a passion for helping people, the universe will open up all the doors, right? Like you will get exactly what you're seeking because that's when you're on, you know, you're on your path and, and God or the universe mm-hmm. will, will provide the way, right? And so when you are having that impact, I have no doubt that's going to come back to you in so many ways. So now you're, you're working with these small and mid-sized businesses. And what I love about what you do is that you can kind of come in and fill in a lot of gaps because as a small business owner, you know, you like you said, we're starting a business because of talent that we have or because we have a passion for something, but we don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of operating a business, right? And so like sales may not be your right, thing. And so right. you can kind of come in and fill in those blanks and say, look, I get that you're here. Let's see how we can take you to this level, right? So you're you're really good at leveling up a business. Yes. And we we leverage best practices of bigger businesses yes. where it makes sense, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I find is a lot of small business owners use language incorrectly. So I end up spending a lot of time going, tell me what you mean by that. Mm. Because that's not what that word really means. Okay. I just had this conversation with a client the other day, kept yeah. using the term inside sales. Tell me what that means to you. Because, yeah. you know, to quote uh, one of my favorite movies, The Princess Bride, I'm not sure that that means exactly what you think it means, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of of that happening in businesses too, where I'll say, well, we need an asset for this. And they think an asset is something completely different than the way I'm using the term, right? For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So tell me, what do you find when you're working with these small businesses? Do you feel like there's a difference in either the industry that they're coming from, being male, female? Like, tell me where the nuances are when you're working with small and mid-sized businesses, because I'm sure there's a million of them, but do women operate different than men? Yes. And I'm learning that. So I have always been in very male dominated sure. industries. Mm-hmm. I have more often than not been the only woman in the room. Sure. And to be really frank, I don't even think about that. Like yeah. I don't walk into a room and go, Oh, I'm the only, you know, woman in the room today. Right. I, I just don't even think in those terms. Mm-hmm. And, um, but as I was in the last five or so years, I've been asked to speak a lot on women in leadership, women in business. I keep thinking, why are these people asking me to speak about this? You know, it just keeps popping up and popping up. And um, I do have several women clients right now, and they are very different than the men. How so? Um, Well, one thing would be they... They require less proof from me on the front end that I know what I'm talking about. Oh, interesting. Yeah. By the time I'm in the room, yeah. we've, that's, we've taken that off the table. And mm. it's more about, so, you know, that I might prove to them that I don't know what I sold them on. Whereas right. the men that I work with when I'm in the room, I'm still proving. Right six or nine months out, I'm still mm. being tested in, in little tricky ways to see if I know what I'm talking about. Right. Okay. So that, that's one interesting thing I've noticed. Another thing is, uh, the women tend to approach business from a much more empathetic mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. which is a plus and a minus okay. I have found, uh, you have to find that balance. Right, right, right. right. You have got to make a smart business choice. I have a client who just gave a six month severance to somebody who was not doing the job. Right, right. And I couldn't talk her out of it. And she felt like she owed it to this person for her. And, and, you know, ultimately an owner's got to do what they uh, can sleep with at night and that's their business. Yeah. A man is never going to a man is never going to run a six month severance no. by me for a, an employee, right? right. Uh, not even an executive level employee, right? right. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing I'm finding is there's a lot more 
um, overt and not quite overt asking for permission. Oh, interesting. I I'm, I uh, sat with a board recently for a nonprofit, and one of the gentlemen on this board is from a, a really big uh, enterprise company, retired from a, an enterprise company. He goes, Jane, what is it with these amazing, powerful women that they don't step into their own awesomeness? And I said, uh-huh. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And yet you're now, like, I'm amazing. And I know. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause I, I don't, I'm yeah. like, I don't see that. What are yeah, you talking yeah. about? But I do now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see that yeah. where, uh, I was speaking with a chief commercial officer that I'm working with the other day. And we were, I'm trying to tell you the story without saying anything inappropriate, but uh, she wanted to do something and she said, well, I was going to kind of do this on the side Mm. uh, because I didn't want anybody to know that, uh, that I was going to do this. And I said, why would you do? Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? A man? Yeah. Nobody else is going to do that. I said, so I want you to go to this person in this department. And I don't want you to say, can we do this? I want you to walk in the room and say, how are we going to get this done? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But we've had multiple conversations like that because even though she's in this powerful role and this company happens to be a billion dollar company Mm -hmm. it's not a little company right yeah it's not in our it's not it's above our mid-size range you know sure um and she's still constantly asking for permission Mm -hmm. to be included in meetings with customers and to make certain things happen in the in the organization and and we want to kind of give this um metaphorical hug to people all the time. Yep. Um, There's a person that wants a promotion. He doesn't have the skill sets for this promotion. And she said, well, should I tell him, you know, uh, if you show me these things? I said, but you just told me he doesn't have the skill set. She said, yeah. Well, why would you set him up for failure to make yourself feel better that you are giving him a chance because you're not really giving him a chance. Sure. And do you see these kind of these little kind of squishy things that women do that men just, I I don't run across very many men that do that. Interesting. That's really interesting. And I know like just with, with our talks, um, I've kept people around that you're like, why is he still there? Cut him. Get him out. You know, right now. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think I am a man, I Angela. <laughs> if you ask a lot of people, they'll go, yeah, I think she wears dresses, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I, I agree with that. And I think also with the asking for permission, I think one of the things that women really struggle with is imposter syndrome, you know, because a man can walk in and confidently sit at a table and believe he belongs there. And women, mm. I think deep down are like, do I belong here? Like, do I have what it takes? Makes us sit at this table. Can I contribute yeah, effectively? Maybe. And so I think maybe that might be part of it as well as the imposter syndrome that we deal with quite a bit. Yeah. Do you think you don't? You don't think you grow out of that? I don't necessarily I think it, feel I think that as anymore. As you level as up into different environments, it yeah. creeps up again. You know. So like maybe I could walk into a smaller client and mm-hmm. be perfectly confident, but then I walk into a stadium or arena and I still feel that need to prove that I. I belong there. Um, In fact, I had a presentation not long ago. It was a pitch presentation for a very large bank. And um, they, you know, part of my presentation was the very first slide was, so this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is my background. This is this, this is this, this is this. And I got all the way through like that, like, this is why I belong here. And then somebody actually brought up like, hey, that was a great pitch. But just so you know, we already know you belong here. You don't have to explain that to us. And it was like a really eye opening. I'm like, wait, I do? Like, it was almost like I, I didn't feel walking into this presentation that I could just go into the pitch. I felt like I needed to sell myself as qualified to deliver the pitch. Wow. Yeah. I would have beaten that right I know out you of you. Uh, because I, know I you even would tell have. clients, uh, I throw away 90% of capabilities presentations because they really? start with, here's who we are. Here's where all of our offices are. Here's what our equipment, who gives a crap? By the time you're in the room, yeah. the customer wants to know, 
do you know what kind of problems I have? Have you solved these before? How? How can you help me solve mine? Right. So I tell clients to put all that stuff that you just did mm. at the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not about you. Sure. Personally. Huh. Um, yeah, I would have beaten that right out of you, I have no doubt. I, I know, know a lot of men with imposter syndrome. Do you? Sure, at very high levels of yeah. companies. Hmm. And years ago, I had a mentor, and um, I said to him, Jack, I'm freaking out. And this was when I had already had my company for a while. Yeah. And he said, what? I said, people, my clients and their people are starting to sound like Jane. Oh. Like they're repeating my own language right, back right. to me. They're listening to me. It's freaking me out. Because mm. if they knew that I don't know diddly squat and mm. that master's degree in acting is coming into play <laughs> every day of my life, <laughs> they would fire me. And right, he right. said, Jane, that's what makes you good. Mm. Yeah. The people that walk in the room and think they know everybody, they're not learners. No, he said that right. drive that you have to make sure that when those people repeat stuff back to you, that it's really legit. Right. Absolutely. That's what's going to make you good at your job because it makes you a, a continual learner. Yeah. So it's, I feel the same way about imposter syndrome as I do about stage fright. Okay. If you don't have any, mm -hmm. uh, you're probably not very good. Mm, uh, you're, you're not going to be very good. Hmm. Um, you have to have a little bit. Yeah. I don't want you, f you know, throwing up backstage before you come on stage. Sure. And I don't want you having so much imposter syndrome that you can't show up and be helpful to somebody right. that it gets in your way because you're constantly trying to prove yourself right. and not actually get into the problem solving. Mm -hmm. But a little bit. Yeah. Is a good thing. Yeah. It means that you're open to learning. It means you're open to learning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So when you're consulting with these businesses, what do you find is the biggest gap in, in just their, their, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company, everything's going well. Where are companies falling short typically? Um, it's different for every company, mm -hmm. but I will say, I tend to not agree a lot of times with the, if we articulate the buckets of things that could be better in a company, Sure. usually I don't 100% with the agree with the CEO on the order oh. that those things should be solved in. Okay. Um, that's one thing. Yeah. Another thing would be, you know, managers, and this is in b enterprise companies as well, middle managers are the most underdeveloped people mm. in business. Yeah. Uh, as a result, they can do a lot of damage to a company and they can not affect the change that we want to have in a company because yeah. they're not equipped mm. to do it. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I keynoted recently for a, a big company in Atlanta with their leaders, and they said, can you come in, Jane? We've just gone through a, a, a mergers and acquisition, right? Yeah. Uh, and I see that a lot. I have a company that I'm working with right now that's actually three manufacturing companies that oh are trying gosh. to be pulled together into one. Yeah. Uh, can you come in and teach our leaders how to build trust in the organization through communication? I think mm. I've told you this story. Mm -hmm. I said, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they looked at me like, I, I beg your pardon. You yeah, don't, right, you know, right. you don't want this job. I said, people don't trust organizations. They trust leaders or mm. not. So the problem you're solving for the wrong problem, right? The problem you should solve for is your people are going through a transitional problem. It's an emotional, it's a process like sure. change management, right? right? Your leaders need to know where are, what is this process? How do we know where people are? Mm -hmm. How do I have to show up as a leader to Sherpa them? Mm. through that change. So you can be pretty sure that if Jane Gentry is walking into your company, there will yeah. be some kind of change or you would not have brought her right. into the company. What I find is that I end up, although I don't go out to be an executive coach, like I don't, I don't spend my time going, hey, can I be your executive coach? Sure. Because what I do is solve business problems. Right. But I end up every time 
coaching the executives. Doing coaching. Wow. Because these people have got to be able to mm -hmm. empower their teams to, yeah. to go through this change and mm -hmm. to affect it and to not micromanage it and to know how to empower people, hmm. uh, to know how to articulate the change, right? Describe what yeah. does it look like? Mm -hmm. What are the steps? How are we going to know when we got there? What does good look like? Yeah. yeah. What's your part, which is What's, the only thing everybody cares about, right? So are you big on measuring? I know, I know when a lot of, um, kind of the co-CEO consultants come in, they're big on measurements, right? Because that's yeah. how they're they're judged. Yeah. So what do you measure in an organization like that? Is it is it consistency? Is it sales? Is it growth? Is it employee retention? Uh, it, again, depends on that particular customer. Yeah. And a mm -hmm. lot of times there's a, a bunch of analysis before you can even get to the metrics. Yeah. So one of the things that I look at, I'm looking in three, three companies right now that I'm working with is where does your business come from? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were to bucket, I have this many clients in the zero to 20,000 range. I have this many clients right. in the 20 to 50,000. And, and we're looking at things and we're saying, wow, I have a client who has most of our business mm -hmm. in giant clients. Right. Some little clients, no mid-sized clients. What happens if you lose one of those whales? Right. Ow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going to measure how much growth but how much of that growth is coming from mid-sized companies that fit a certain profile? Right. Diversifying. One of the divisions of the manufacturing company, completely opposite problem. 90% hmm. of their clients are little pieces of business, mm -hmm. which take as much effort on the back end. Oh, absolutely. As a mid-sized piece of business. I said, what if you took 20% of those clients and you moved them the next bucket up? What happens to your target? He goes, I just blew away my number for 23. Yeah. How are we going to incent people? And that's mm -hmm. the other thing I always, I, I, I need to get a t-shirt that yeah. says comp for the behavior you want. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If exactly. you want people selling mid-sized deals, mm -hmm. how do you comp them to go after that business that's harder to get yes. than these little bitty deals, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm going to get a t-shirt. Well, you know, I'm fascinated that you actually brought this up because literally on my way here today, I'm going to bring up this book because it's, um, it's in my audible and I was listening to it in my car about compensation. And the entire thing talks about um, compensating for the culture you want. Did they and quote me? James, I know. I, I was shocked that they didn't, but I'm only, I'm only, I'm only one chapter in. Oh, okay. but they'll get it's to called me. Scaling Up Compensation, mm -hmm. and and I'm fascinated with this book because really, like, I think as small businesses, we're really trying to figure it out, like what's fair. And then one of the things that drives me crazy, and I'm negotiating with somebody right now, it, and you know, it's well, I went to Salary.com, and this is what they say I should be making, or or you know, hey, I looked this up on Indeed, and mm -hmm. you're never comparing apples to apples. So you're like, yeah, but that's a $10 million company. We're a $1 million company. Yeah. We're trying to grow this way. We want to do this. And so compensation is one of the hardest things to figure out, right? Because mm -hmm. you're not ever really comparing apples to apples. You're also looking at talent. And then, but I love the way you just said that comp, you know, on what you're trying to grow, because that's really, I want to comp for the culture, right? Like mm -hmm. I want, if I really want my, you know, this role to be 70% sales, then there needs to be a, a, a decent base salary. But at the end of the day, there needs to be a commission or a bonus component or something that's going to incentivize and reward somebody for doing what I need them to do, which is grow market, right? right. So I, I love that because you're really focusing on... Well, yeah. Do you want your managers focused on margin? Do you want yeah. to grow focused on revenue, right. Right? right? Do you want your salespeople focused on a certain target? We just brought in a guy uh, for one of these customers who was at a higher base, yeah. which I hate bases. Yeah, and I do and it's a personal bias because I've never had a base. Right. right. Except when I was a CEO. Mm -hmm. um, I was 100% commission from day one sure. in my sales career. Right. Well, and I think that's the... In my opinion, the better way to go, but I... Uh, yeah, I but it's a, it's a certain kind of person that yeah. wants that, right? Right. But I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do then. 
put in front of him, we're going to pay you your base for a year with a low commission. Mm -hmm. The next year, your commission goes up and your base goes down. I'm giving you a year, Mm -hmm. which is what it takes for you to build up your pipe Mm -hmm. and build up your client relationships. And if you can't make it work in year two and make more money than year one, then I made a bad hire. And the guy took the deal. We just did another one where this is also a salesperson where it was a non-recoverable draw, Mm, not a base. Right. Right. So they're basically 100% commission, except I'm saying to them, you have no risk because I'm not going to ask for the drawback. But if I have to eat the draw, you're you're no good and you're probably not going to be here. Right. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. it's a it's a crazy balance. And especially now with I'm going to say talent is tight because it is. But I also know two amazing senior level people right now who are late 40s, early 50s. Sure. And have had to go through the most ridiculous hoops to try to get a job. And so, you know, I look I look at some of these uh, bigger companies and go, no, you don't have a talent problem. You have a hiring process problem. It's stupid what Mm -hmm. you ask people to do to get a job. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because you're too scared. Right. Right. You know, at some point, the resume is a good story. Right. Absolutely. Right? Especially at that, you know, if you've reached a certain level of your career, right? Yeah, then please. yes, you are good on paper. Yeah. And one thing I have to remind myself to do though is check the references because I just, yes. I, I trust the person and I, maybe this is a female thing. Maybe it's not, maybe it's just a me thing, but I tend to say, you know, I like their energy. I, I think I trust them and I don't check the references and it blows up in my face. So yeah, checking as the a references, person who, I think, yeah, I don't. I could. I do trust, but verify. Yeah, yeah, trust and verify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And if there's a red light, if there's a yellow light, if there's a stop sign, mm-hmm. trust your gut mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it, it's it's one of our most expensive things that we do, right? Hiring and, and especially providing. sales. It's yeah. one of your oh, yeah. most expensive fails if you don't get it right. That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me ask you, who inspires you? Um, I don't know. Who inspires other people? Like famous people? No, not necessarily. I don't know. I'm inspired by the clients that I have that get up in the morning every day, willing to employ other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Willing to put their personal financial Mm -hmm. uh, security at risk. Yeah. Every day. Every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, figure it out and deal with st- stupid people stuff. Yeah. Well, and lose sleep <laughs> yeah. and not lose go on sleep. vacation and no yeah. balance. Yes. Yeah. We do crazy things, don't we? I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst on vacation. I know. And all my clients got, pre- pre- was it a week ago? Yeah. And they said, we're not working Monday. I said, why? <laughs> it's like three different clients. I go, why aren't you working Monday? They go, it's a holiday. What holiday? It's a President's Day. I said, we don't get President's Day off. Right. They said, maybe you need to talk to your boss. She's tough. I said, we don't get, we get Christmas and Easter. That's, that's it. That's right. That's it. And yeah, my son had four days off school. I'm like, what do you guys, how do you have all these days off? And who are the parents that don't have to go to work exactly. for four Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't understand it. Um, all right. Very cool. So um, I asked this on every podcast, but as women, we often give our power away. And so, um, you know, you are an extremely powerful woman. And like you know, you've said before, like you can, you're confident when you walk into a room. So I have a hard time thinking that you've ever given your power away. But things happen in our lives, and sometimes we become tougher as a result of it. So have you ever given your power away? And if you did, why? And then uh, how did you gain that power back? Hmm. This is is this like therapy? It is therapy. You, you're gonna <laughs> pay for therapy bit. afterward. I'm I'm paying you for business consulting, and I, you're paying me for therapy. Okay. There <laughs> you go. Good exchange. trade. Good trade. Um, I have only I can only think of one time I've done that, mm. and it was in my marriage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I didn't even give my power away in my job when I was married, just in my marriage. So do you think it was because you were compensating for that lack of power in your marriage? And so you were, you were making sure you were retaining that power at work? I don't, I would love to think that I'm that smart and Uh it was that conscious of a thing. Right. Um, 
I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did I solve it? I'm not married. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it took a long, you know, I have a, I have a couple of really serious personality disorders. One is I'm a habitual connector. Mm. I think cool people should know cool people. So I always say to folks, if you don't want to know anybody cool, let me know now because otherwise you'll be getting emails from me going, Hey, you need to meet stone. You need to meet Angela. They're awesome. Here's why you guys need to know each other. Right. The other one is, uh, when I make a commitment, I'm pretty much all in. Yeah. And so Especially a commitment like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because it's related to my my faith and mm-hmm. that I have a very strong personal faith. And uh, so the boundaries were pretty far out there. Yeah. They were pretty, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but, it, you know, there was a lot of rope. Yeah. yeah. Before the, before it, you know swung back on on him yeah, yeah so when it was done it was done yeah I understand that very much mm-hmm. yeah and it's tough because I think that's one of the things that we do is you know we want to as powerful women you know we we are so strong in every aspect of our lives and and the one place that we want to be vulnerable is in a relationship or a marriage yeah. and sometimes that's where we can kind of let our guard down and say you know I need to be vulnerable here this is my safe space right yeah. because I have to carry this persona with me all the time but you are my safe space yep. and therefore you're willing to drop the walls and be vulnerable with somebody and that can turn out and to be, be the that. helper sometimes not sure. being tra- I'm exhausted being yes. in charge of everything yes. for so long mm-hmm. truly mm-hmm. it's exhausting having to be the boss of every damn thing everything yeah I agree. so i would be i would be okay with that but uh, you know when i uh i think the last time i went on a date one of my close friends said to me can i give you some advice and i said oh, sure gosh. she said don't be you <laughs> what oh. <laughs> I said, well, honey, that's like, if I can say this, it's kind of crass. It's like stuff in your bra. At some point, they're going to figure it out. So let's, I'm going to just go in there with me and it's either going to be cool or it's not going to be cool. You know, there is a point when, you know, you can't do that your whole life. So I, you know, that was actually my first marriage. In my first marriage, I was in my twenties and I've always been this ENTJ, very strong, very assertive woman. And I thought to myself, okay, you know, I was told you're never going to find a man like that. Right. Like you can't be you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I got married with this idea that I could continue meeting in the middle and toning me down and not being who I am. And so, you know, that that's fine for a little while, but eventually that becomes exhausting and you're not who you are and you're not happy, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're not being authentic. And so eventually that is the deterioration of the marriage. And some people can hang on to it for longer. I only lasted 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so I, I couldn't do it anymore, but that lack of authenticity is, is killer. And you're right. It's, it's, you're going to figure it out. Right. And so, you know, if they don't love you for who you are, then they're not the right one. Well, I tell leaders to the three, three of the attributes of leaders that we Mm. look for are teachable, Mm -hmm. authentic, vulnerable. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, uh, vulnerable is the one that most leaders struggle with. With. For sure. What does that mean exactly? You know, yeah. it's like, I'm not asking you to come to work and tell all your personal problems. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. Right, right, right. Uh, will it be willing to be wrong? Yes. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, I can think of two leaders right now that one was that big conference I just told you about. Right. The leader walked up on stage. He told a story about how they, uh, the first time they bought this company, which was years ago, that his boss had to come in and save the pitch. Mm. And he said, and this is how he saved it. He goes, I should have done that. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have to do that in front of 250 senior leaders and to say yeah. I was wrong. Sure. And uh, I was with a leader who was unprepared for a meeting I was running. Mm. He was new. Okay. And he was a salesman by background. Okay. And a lot of us that come up out of sales, we think we can wing it. Yep. You know, and I say to people, look... I was outstanding at improv. Yeah. I don't wing it. Right. And of all of us in the room, I'm probably the most likely to be able to wing it. Right. But I don't. Right. Uh, He came in on day two and said to his team, 
I just I want to start off by saying I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, yeah. I was unprepared, and that will never happen again. Uh, the yeah. the relationship building that happened in that minute long apology yeah. was worth a million bucks. Wow, that's fantastic! I mm-hmm. I love that story. So okay, so um, what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? You know. Go ahead, follow your heart. Your yeah. your life is not a straight line. Mm-hmm. Um, be willing to open through, walk through some open doors, even if yeah. it's a little scary, mm-hmm. because there's fun stuff on the other side. Yeah. And um, I I thought that I was a, you know, my d- degrees are in theater. You know that, so right. you would not see a person with a theater degree and think low risk tolerance. But right, right, back right. then, I thought I had a low risk tolerance. Sure. Now that I'm a little older and I see other people, and mm. I go, "Wow, Jane, you're crazy." Right. You know, you're a little. <laughs> but yes. um, back then, I thought I had a very low risk tolerance, yeah. and. Uh, you know, I try to say to young women that I, and I have six nieces, five mm-hmm. nieces and a nephew. Um, and I say, you know, you have to take risk, Yeah. but there's foolish risk and there's calculated yeah. risk. Mm-hmm. So, or thoughtful, maybe that's a word I like better, thoughtful yeah. risk. Yeah. Um, but you can't, there is no safe yeah. life. So just own it. And who wants to live a safe life? That People sounds do. awful. That sounds terrible to well, me. Well, it sounds terrible to you and it mm. sounds really boring to me, but uh, yeah. people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I find, especially in my business, that the times when I am uncomfortable, mm-hmm. the times when I feel paralyzed because I don't know what is the next thing I'm supposed to do for my business. Yeah. I have learned to sit in it and Mm. just get comfortable in the ickiness because what is on the other side of that is a growth spurt for the company. And I only know that, Angela, from looking back since 99. Not Again, not because of any innate wisdom that I have, just old. And so I'm old enough to look back and go, every time that happened, Mm -hmm. there was a an, an awesome, exciting adjustment. There was a growth spurt in the business. Yeah. There was a, re- a relationship, not a personal relationship, but a business relationship that yeah. led me somewhere I, somewhere I never would have been able to go. Mm-hmm. So um, be okay sitting in it. And yeah. I don't mean doing nothing. Right, right, right. Um, I just mean, just get comfy, wiggle into that little into that little uncomfortable place and, yeah. and just let it work itself out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've had those moments too, you know, where I thought, okay, I can't do what's about to happen. Right. And then I just get to the point where it's like, okay, who am I kidding? I have no choice. I have to do it. And it's just a matter of, I'm not going to let this run me. I'm going to run it. I just got to figure out the how, right? So how am I going to run this? Let's figure out the steps that it's going to take. And that way I can, I can kind of put it into an operational perspective. And it's like, okay, well, first A and then B and then C and then D, and then it's done. And they inform each other. Right. So if you do A, at least you've done something and you go, well, that okay, that isn't exactly how I hope that would work out. So I'm going to adjust this way mm, a little bit, yeah. right? So at least if you do something, you have it, it can inform your next step. Yeah, but learning, you're right. The learning that comes from it is invaluable, mm-hmm. right? We don't get that any other way. We get mm-hmm. that through being uncomfortable, through being challenged, through taking risks. That's how that growth happens. And you can't get that, you know, just living day to day and not taking the, risks. The other time is, you know, I, I've described as maybe being paralyzed, but it's also mm-hmm. happened when I'm bored. Mm, yeah. So I ended up being recruited to run these companies yeah. at a point when I had said to somebody, <sighs> I don't know. I'm in one of those places. And he goes, you know, Jane, I think you're bored. I think you're putting different lipstick uh-huh. on the same pig. Right. right, right and right. I said, that is really insightful. You're, mm-hmm. you are absolutely right. I feel yeah. bored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's about that willingness to kind of step mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Step out and do something. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, you and I met back uh, close to the pandemic yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. when we were both running event companies that were just, I mean, our businesses were devastated, just, yeah, yeah. devastated by the, the pandemic. And so, you know, it was it was so interesting to see the dynamics. I mean, you never lost sight of like, OK, well, first A and then B and then C. And, and you really kind of just followed your your gut through it. And I appreciate appreciate that so much. It created clarity for us because I remember yeah. pulling together, we had, I think, 5,000, mm-hmm. 7,000 people in the field, something like that. But we had, you know, 25 people in the office right. and we pulled everybody together and I said, okay, well, we can't do our business. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is not doable. Right. So we have to do something. We're going to do smart things. We're going to stay close to our customers, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to see how we can help our customers, even if it's non-paying help. Uh, But we're going to find some other way to generate revenue. Yeah. What is our superpower? Uh Uh-huh. And they described to me what we do. I said, no, I'm not asking you, what do we do? I'm asking you, what are we great at that other companies can't do? Yeah. Hmm. And that led us down a whole another path that was solvable yeah. during COVID. So um, sometimes those really tight spots help to create clarity that hmm. you just don't take the time for when business is great. Absolutely. Wow. Great insight. All right. So what do you wish more people knew? Um, can I do two? Yes, because all these questions were hard, but this one I I think I can think of too. Um, I wish leaders knew how important it is to know what motivates your employees. Mm, Yeah. Uh, I wish they knew how much they would raise engagement if they understood the motivation. Yeah. And that requires you getting to know your employees. Right. Which I had, uh, I said, this is you being an inspirational leader. I had a leader say, well, their paycheck is their inspiration. No, it's not. I said, all right, well, I'll be back here in about 18 months (laughs) and I'll be looking to see if you're still employed here. Right. Yeah. So, um, Business is still relationships. It's yeah. different kinds of relationships because yeah. of Zoom and Teams and all these things, mm-hmm. uh, which I embraced a long time ago, and I'm glad the world is catching up to me. But um, business is still about relationships right. and empowering people, engaging people, enabling people in your company is about understanding them and what motivates them. Mm-hmm. What I wish young women knew mm-hmm. is try to find some balance and major on the majors. Mm. Some of the best mentors in my career mm-hmm. were men. Okay. We are scaring the crap out of men. Yeah. I, I have talked to so many men who say, I won't be alone with a woman in my office. Yeah. I won't travel alone with a woman. I mm. won't this with a woman. And I understand yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, I, you know, let's create some balance. Let's major on the majors. Mm-hmm. Let's not be offended by every little thing. Yeah. There are not enough women in high places to be to be every mentor that you have. And there are men with a lot of wisdom. Absolutely. And, uh, don't rip yourself off. Yeah. 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 Uh, by making it hard for men to coach you, mentor you, advocate for you. Yeah. 
yeah make them help them want to do that yeah well and i think it's important for both sides right because all of my mentors throughout my life have been men and but i've also sought them out and really just kind of respectfully asked them you know their opinion their advice to engage and you know now at at the age i'm at now i'm finally in a position where i'm engaging with more executive women like yourself and i have more women that i can look to and say what would you do in this situation because mm-hmm. I can identify with you and I can I feel like I can get guidance from you that that feels more natural to me however there is that component of you know there are guys out there who can who really do advocate for women a lot of our listeners are men out there advocating for women wanting to know wanting to help us advance and wanting to mm-hmm. you know promote us throughout their organizations but sometimes we do make it hard for ourselves yeah. or we won't advocate for each other. And so it's really just breaking down the walls. You know, working in a silo doesn't work, right? And uh, for so many years, you know, if you're going to be a joiner, I'm not much of a joiner. You Uh know how hard it was for me to join that group that we're in. Um, I didn't join women's groups. Yeah. Yep. Because I had had so many experiences where I get to the first meeting and we're talking about, oh, the man's keeping me down. And yeah. I'm thinking, no, I make a really great living. And I'm, yeah. you know, the man's like, nobody's keeping me down. Right. And so, again, be thoughtful about uh, who you're affiliating with, yeah. who you're associating with, where mm-hmm. you're getting your mentoring from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, all of that stuff existed it still exists in business. It's a, you know, we know about it. We're all working to eradicate that. We really are, yeah. But be careful and thoughtful mm-hmm. about the kind of people yes. you surround yourself with yeah. and the kind of women that you surround yourself with. Yeah. And what is the what is the story that you're starting to hear in your head about, about mm-hmm. your possibilities? Yeah. Um, and and what you can accomplish. Yeah. The because energy. I personally think the sky's the limit. Yeah, me too. I I am one of those as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a big energy person. I want to know, like, is this person giving me energy that tells me that we can do more or we're limited, right? Mm-hmm. And I hate those limited energy people, the mm-hmm. ones who are like, well, I mean, it is what it is. We're just going to deal with it the way it is. Uh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> a problem I, in, the in first uh, women's group I actually joined, I was in my forties, uh-huh. that's, that's how long I waited uh, that I made it past the second meeting. And it was because they were fairly tenured women. The whole purpose of the group was to lift women up, yeah, to lift like young that. women up, yeah. to promote young women into a particular profession, yeah. to show people why they needed to hire more women as keynoters at big conferences. So it was yeah. really just a positive energy, a positive mission, a sincere mission, and a bunch of women who, for all intents and purposes, competed against each other and shared information with each other every day of the week. Yeah. Well, and I find that those are the best people, you know, the ones who aren't threatened by you. In fact, one of the, some of the best advice or some of the, the best advisors that I have in my industry are other competitors in my industry who will sit down and we will say, okay, how are you handling this situation? And how do you solve this problem? And just that transparency, because really it's not about like, we're we're not on a money grab, right? Like there's, there's enough success for everyone to go around. There's a small pie thinkers and big pie thinkers, right? Right, right, right. uh, So hang with the people that say that we'll make more pie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've worked with people that are my client, uh, my vendor Mm. and uh my partner Mm. all at the same time wow that's awesome yeah so you you just have to be a big big pie thinker absolutely i think well very cool well this has been so much fun jane i always enjoy talking to you and i'm so glad that everybody else has enjoyed you today too because you've always inspired me you've always given me the best advice and brought so much value to our relationship so thank you so much for it's your time my today. absolute pleasure oh. i always enjoy spending time with you absolutely well thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the pretty powerful podcast you can learn about jane gentry on prettypowerfulpodcast.com or on janegentry.com so thank you so much and have an amazing day. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. 
Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power. 